On this week's General Mission, we are very excited to have Brian Colburn of the My Weekly Mixtape Podcast on to talk everything from podcasting to music to making the perfect mixtape, concert stories, and much more. We also get into the Meteora 20th anniversary release, and we wrap up our GA Book Club with the final installment of The Storyteller. Okay, let's go. Welcome to General Admission, episode number 54. I forgot last week. I remembered this week. Episode number 54. Happy Easter. Happy Passover. Happy spring. How you doing, Brett? Feeling a little numb? Did you break the habit on Easter? <laughs> no habits were broken. Um <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for it, man, man. I wanted something, but I just, it just didn't come to me. It was, I'm, I was fighting myself to think of one. There we go. Boom. <laughs> I think that's what it was called. One of the new ones. <laughs> it's easier to run sometimes, I guess. Yeah. You know, I just needed a place for my head. Okay. Now we're cooking. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. That we got to get to that. Cause that was, a lot of music, a lot of live music that consumed <laughs> like pretty much the entire weekend. Yeah. Trying to get through all that. That's why I've only gone back to the hybrid theory version of that. Like once if that. Yeah, I think I think with this, like so I made I made a playlist. I put it on Instagram. I know I sent it to you. And it was just of like maybe 10 songs that were new and like mostly finished being that they had vocals. Because there, I feel like you can make another whole playlist of just like lo-fi beats. Because <laughs> there was a lot of instrumentals, which were also like I really liked, but they weren't like really fleshed out songs. Is it fleshed out or flushed out? Flushed? I think people use both. Yeah, I I use both, and I've been wondering a lot. So there's like flesh, like build something up and flush is get it out. Get it? Yeah, I don't. I guess either could work. Maybe? I'll just keep mumbling it and hope no one questions it. That's the rule I'll give myself yeah. for now on. There you go. Flesh it out, flesh yeah. it up. <laughs> I no, I really been enjoying Meteora. Like it's just great to have those songs. It is like I mean, we've talked about this before, but like Chester's lyrics, it's just it's so like eerie and sad and just telling of everything. Like foreshadowing like the worst possible way. Yeah, like fighting fighting myself or fighting with myself i forget exactly it's one of those um I think fighting with myself right but yeah i mean it's all just about like being in your head and like not feeling okay and fighting with awesome. yourself and losing and it's like well that's like really telling lyrics for how his story ended like it's just it's heartbreaking and then at the same time the songs are so good like it's still listenable and enjoyable like despite that which is magic almost makes you like forget he's gone like not to like make that not that sounds bad but no i know what you mean because it's like i mean he lives on through his songs for sure i'm just i'm sad like this this project or whatever you want to call it like made me sad that we didn't get a world with a solo chester career yeah stone temple pilots uh chester career 
True. I actually wanted to ask you that because I know there's stuff he's in where he's like primarily the singer. I'm not sure if they put it out an album with him or if it was just like just the a couple live songs. shows. Yeah. Because like you think of all the side projects and different like super groups, whatever you want to call them, that people have like he could have easily been in a different another band in addition to Linkin Park where he was just like full blown singer singer. Cause I, I had a friend that my, my friend shout out Palazzi, but he, he loves to fire off hot takes. Like he has no middle ground for opinions, which is a blessing and a curse, but you get him on the show. Yeah. Oh my God. It would be, it would be fun. <laughs> it would be something, but it's he's hot takes a hot takes episode. He said, and I'm quoting this. He said, sometimes I wish Lincoln park didn't have the rapper guy. That is a very spicy take. <laughs> very spicy take. <laughs> and I said, you literally have the same name as this guy. You know his name. And he said, I do not remember the name. <laughs> <laughs> Which I mean, well, he might, I'm almost, I'm, part of me thinks he had this whole take just so he could set up that joke. But either way, he nailed it. <laughs> it adds up. <laughs> Which like, I, I see where he's coming from. Um, I think Lincoln Park like is not Lincoln Park without Mike Shinoda and Chester. No. But it did put me on that path of like, man, it would be cool to just have like a Chester project. Because we have a bunch of Mike projects. A lot of Mike projects. Like Fort Minor. Yeah. The I mean, he had a couple like solo raps in this. Um Standing in the Middle and Sold My Soul to Yo Mama. With the Probably. paper cut lyrics on it? Yeah. Yeah, there was a lot of like crossover stuff that was like reused. You could tell, like, because they're demos. So it's like we have these lyrics. We don't necessarily know where they're going. I feel like Standing in the Middle is like a throwaway reanimation song. But they were like, ah, this doesn't really fit here. Is that the one that was featuring other people? Yeah. Yeah, it was. Unless like he just like had a weird voice. To me, it sounded like there were multiple people on that. Because there was definitely like the. There was there was a chorus where he says like like someone like sing it or whatever like there's definitely multiple people on this. So it might literally be from reanimation then. Definitely maybe. Now I'm now I'm second guessing it. I don't know. I'm actually not sure. It sounds like it though. So unless he's just doing a voice thing, I'm pretty sure he's going back and forth with people. But those definitely weren't like the highlights. They were cool, but the highlights was everything between like Lost and uh pretty much disc six of yeah. the six CDs, if you will. Yeah. When you put this on, did you just go to the beginning or did you look for the new stuff? I went to the original first just to yeah. get refreshed. And then they did, of course, what we joked about that they were gonna put live in Texas on here. <laughs> and of course it's like the second disc. <laughs> I mean the live ones are cool, like some of the live in uh Nottingham was was cool because the crowd was chanting Lincoln Park with like the English accent. They should just put that one on and not live in Texas because like it's the same set list pretty much. Yeah, it is a little weird, but like I back guess back to back of the same show. Well, not the same show, but the same songs. Yeah, I appreciate how they're going about this though, because like Mike said in like a few interviews, he's like, I don't want this to feel like we're milking this. He's like, we just have a lot of it. And I see your face right now. But if he was milk, 
I, I just mean, think. Five, they, all right, you go, you go, you go. What do you think? <laughs> they could have just made this five disc, just cut off what's already out there. Like you can go buy reanimation. You can go buy live in Texas. You can stream both of them too. Like Wait, just keep all the unreleased stuff together. Was reanimation on this also? They put it on the hybrid theory re-release. Oh yeah. 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 Okay. All right. I no get, reason. I get that aspect but my i was kind of approaching it from like they did put out one single which is fine that's what you're gonna do and i think that was like the best song like i don't know i guess you make an argument for a few but i really like that song um but they put out the single and then they released everything and of course like of course they're gonna make money and they should make money and like they put it as in this new cool package and there's all these discs and different things if they wanted to really milk it they would have put out each live album as a thing. They would have teased these tracks. Like I thought they did it as like honorably as you could. As far as singles go, I agree. Like, yeah. Like they could have stretched. They didn't stretch it out, is my point though. Like they just gave it to you. Yeah. It was only two singles, right? Was it three? Uh I think it was Lost and uh Fighting with Myself. What the hell is the name of that song? It's driving me crazy. Just fighting myself. Fight, oh, it's fighting no, myself. There's no with. No with. Cut cut all the with. Go back, edit out every time I said with. Not going to do that. You're right. It was only two singles. Yeah, which is fine. Did you listen to uh, A6, the, the demo one? So there was two. One has Mike Shinoda on it. One is just instrumental. That song, like, I'm like putting out, like, calling all... TikTok musicians. Someone needs to like add in singing and screaming to that song. Yes. Like there's plenty of people that can do it great. I mean, I'm not asking you to be Chester, but like there's a breakdown around like two minutes or so. I've had my notes too. I, I was literally just sitting in my basement screaming like to myself, like whisper screaming, you know, like I wasn't going to scare Nicole, but I'm down here like, <gasps> like it just needs it so bad. Like, Oh man, that song is so close to being awesome, and it's just missing, it's missing Chester. So I had like a couple of questions for that one. Like, do we think like Chester just like got this and like couldn't come up with anything? She's like, I got nothing on this, and so like this is all we have. Or like, was there screaming, and then they just cut it out and left like a space there, like in tribute for him on this? Huh. Like I. Try to do a little digging to see if like maybe there's some yeah. background on this, but I, I couldn't find anything. I mean, I I would I would think if they had vocals of him for it, they would have put them there. But it's certainly possible. Like, there's really no way to know for sure. Because that there's a build to that breakdown. I know, and it's like the perfect place, I and then know. just nothing was there. <laughs> it needs it. I want it so bad. Like, yeah, it could just be that it was one they had. And it wasn't one that they saw all the way through and it kind of just like faded out. It hit the floor. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) God damn it, Brett. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Um, It was a really cool song, though. But just like I I hope people take it and like add screams. Yeah, the instrumentals were phenomenal on that. Yeah, great breakdown. Um, Was it massive? That was just chester i think it i think it was yeah I'm looking at that. Like, 
I heard the screaming in my dream. That was like a great melody in that one. Not that I'm doing it justice, but yeah, that that was all Chester. Or is it more the victim? Because Chester was really good on more the victim. Um. Uh, so I'm trying to. Yeah, sorry, we're uh, having a lot of dead air here because we're clicking through. I think I think that was all Chester. So maybe both of them. I thought I wrote it down, but I'm not. I'm not sure. They were definitely both primarily Chester. Do you think like if Lincoln Park just stayed like this through their career, like it would have been fine? Or would it have been like these guys are still doing new metal in like 2015? I don't know. Because I feel like anyone you talk to like loves like Hybrid Theory and Meteora. Like it's hard to find someone that likes our kind of music that doesn't. I don't think I've ever met anyone that actually didn't like hybrid theory. No. So I feel like if they scratch that itch, like for like 20 years, like the don't get offended, but like the rise against model. Yeah. Yeah. A cure for no, the like itch. cure for the itch. <laughs> well played. Thank you. But yeah, I don't think people would have got sick of it. No, it always, I... it scratches nostalgia and people just love that album. Yeah. And they were really good at it. Like, I think I, would have been okay with it but it's really hard to know in hindsight and like especially with everything that went down like because i don't know some uh like mike shinoda has a song out right now i think i heard on octane and it's just like i don't know if like rapping like lands the same without like everything else they're toying with possibly making new music though i saw the bass player said he'd love to he doesn't think they're done yet they might as well like i don't think it would be disrespectful and it's not like i mean i'm not familiar enough with their later albums to even really speak on it like obviously you're gonna miss chester but they're a big band with like a lot of talent there's there's no reason to call it quits if they don't want to i don't think anyone would be offended by that just hard to fill their shoes though yeah they'd have to I don't know. I don't know what they'd have to do. Go in like a weird direction, I think. But they already have been going in weird directions. So, wasn't it like the tribute show they did? Like they put that on Spotify too, where they had like a different singer from they had a oh, bunch of yeah. different guests come out and do the songs with them. I didn't know that that was on Spotify, but I remember watching it on like YouTube or whatever. Yeah, one more light live. Oh, uh, that's great! I didn't know this was here. Wow. Or the guests not even on here. No, it's not listed, but I'm sure they're on there. I don't even like remember specifics from that. I remember watching it. We've lost so many artists. It's like yeah. the tribute shows start to get blurry. Which is sad. Yeah, it is very sad. That's how it goes. Do you remember I said this on Facebook, like Hybrid Theory or like Lincoln Park is a band that you remember where you were the first time you heard them oh yeah yeah where where were you i was at summer camp first time i heard uh nice someone with like a walkman or I, yeah someone with a cd player yeah and a boom box paper cut <laughs> came out and i'm like i've never heard anything like this before yeah and he's like oh that's not even the big single and he puts in the end on and like <laughs> everyone like gathers around <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing 
yeah that one of the live albums within the end like just hearing the crowd sing like of course that song has been like played so much but it's still like if you really just like put that aside and just listen to it and like remember hearing it for the first time like that was like maybe one of the like the biggest songs like ever in our lifetime an anthem that came out around the same time as the anthem <laughs> the wait which anthem were we talking about the good charlotte good one. charlotte one okay there's a lot of anthems there were too many anthems <laughs> We could do we could do a whole draft on anthems. <laughs> Probably could get Parco yeah. next time. Just anthem, trick him. Anthem one two. Good Charlotte the anthem. Uh, Less than Jake has a whole album called Anthem. Uh, that might be it. <laughs> anthem of our dying day. Nice. Oh, we got to talk about them too. Do we? Uh... Before we do though, yeah, yeah. Just two more quick notes. Right, before we get into some story of the year talk, just some three final thoughts on. Uh... 20th anniversary of Meteora. So number one, I think my favorite song off this collection was Healing Foot. Just thought it was vintage Linkin Park, only like a little bit lighter than you might think. Kind of like what you got with Breaking the Habit here, which was actually a single I couldn't stand. Like back in, like this is the only song I didn't like on Meteora. But I think like as I got older and like hear it, like re-listening to it this week, it's actually a really great song. And like, I don't know why I was hating on it back in the day. I don't know if you felt yeah. the same way about that one. It, it was definitely one of the few Linkin Park songs that had to like grow just a little bit i didn't like actively dislike it but the first time i heard it oh this is this is definitely different for them but i thought it was cool it had a really cool music video it's like for maybe the the first time i ever saw anime in my life yeah yeah did you hear um before you get to your other two thoughts the the breaking the habit on this with mike singing I did, and then that's why I texted you. I'm like, I'm glad <laughs> Chester sang on it. Hundred percent. But I think it's, <laughs> I think it's so cool. Like a peek behind the curtain. Like, I'm, I'm assuming this is how it went down. That like, Mike came up with like most of that song and the vocal melody, and was like, "Here's how I want to do it. I'm just gonna sing it like my way, and then like I'll let Chester like do his thing." But like, here's how I that want makes it to a lot go. More sense. And like, that is so cool if it's true. Which I mean. I think it's true. Like the only alternative would be like they had the song and Mike's just like, I want to give a go with this and like a shitty falsetto. <laughs> like I, I doubt that was the case. He's a Which, better singer than that. Yeah, no, that's what the cool thing about demos is. It's like like it's like the beginning of that a day to remember song when you hear um whoever's on guitar just going like he's just mumbling the words. Oh, yeah. Or like how the Beatles used to sing like ham and eggs for all their lyrics or whatever it was. Like they have the idea, they know the melody, and they just want to get it down on paper. And then they're like, we can clean it up and make it real later. So I thought it was real cool they included that because they did not have to. And I'm sure, like, I mean, Mike's got to be confident enough in his life and career where that's he's not like embarrassed at all. But yeah, but yeah, I just I thought that was a really cool peek behind the curtain if it was if that's exactly like how it went down. No, I agree with that. I feel like a lot of these demos were kind of like that. Like you, it's cool to see it, those songs at the ground floor, and then like kind of knowing where they would ultimately wind up. It's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. What um, what else did you have for it? You said. And then uh, so thoughts? the last so number two so number like, two. the last song resolution. I thought like this kind of showed where they were heading. Like with uh, was it minutes to midnight? Yeah. I always say the name of that album wrong. It is right. Okay. Yep. But it's like similar piano, like what I've done. 
kind of like uh, playing with a, that idea that's on a the great, next album. Great connection. I didn't put that together, but that's nailed it. So I, I, in my head now, I'm like, they're going to definitely do a 20th anniversary of Minutes to Midnight with more demos. I think so. I think it'll stop at Minutes to Midnight. I think so, if, too. If I had to guess. Because to me, like, I mean, people have their opinions on Minutes to Midnight, but I still think as far as like OG Linkin Park, I think that still fits the bill. I love that album. And I do too. It, was, it was maybe a slight deviation from like meteora but i mean like bleed it out still like that's one of like the best screams chester has so oh yeah yeah was it give it up was on there too right yeah yeah i think that was the opener but then you had ones like shadow of the day valentine's day like leave out all the rest yeah which those are great songs too like i i think they had a real like natural progression i we really should go back to their less played albums like it's the one with like the sun right was that the one after minutes to midnight that one was extremely divisive a thousand yeah. suns i definitely didn't like it but i'd like to go back to it and say because like there's one two three something party i think i kind of listened to a little bit that was there's like a like, return to form for them that's like when they tried to make like meteora again all right yeah that's probably why i remember that one a little better but like there's four or five Linkin Park albums that like I am not really familiar with at all. And I'm out I, here like saying I miss Chester and it's like you have five albums of him that you could just go listen to. Yeah. And it might not be like like you know early 2000s Linkin Park but like so what? Like that's a whole catalog to go through. So I think that would be a fun little project just to see. I'd be down for that cuz I couldn't tell you a single thing about Living Things or a song no, I think they were just really I think Living Things was really long if I remember. That's that's all I got in my head for that one is that it was a long album. And I don't even 37 know 37 minutes. <laughs> could it be could it be more wrong? What was it a thousand suns? No, 40 minutes. A thousand suns was pretty long. That's just no. That's no, nope, 40 minutes. See? Couldn't be more wrong. That's just how like they felt to me though. I it just felt like they were doing like these long drawn out I mean, this recharged album is an hour eight. I'd like to say that's what I'm thinking of, but I don't even know what this is. It's it's not. This looks like it's a all remixes, reanimation type album, which kind of makes sense with the name. Did not even know this existed. Yeah, hand up. I don't know shit about Lincoln Park after Minutes to Midnight. Call myself a fan. God damn it! <laughs> really long album. <laughs> Thirty-seven minutes is really long. We gotta find a Lincoln Park fan that can like roadmap the whole band but then also navigate us through their year their later years i was like later gator years the gator years i feel like it'd have to be like someone from brazil whenever i see lincoln park stuff it's always like brazilian like them and avenge sevenfold i think have like huge followings in like south america I don't very know random why. but yeah very random we got to find someone who has like great english could come on and break it all down just the, if we have any brazilians listening come on the show Please come on tell us about Lincoln park <laughs> i'm telling and you then, look at look at their social posts next time they post crazy they they are worldwide worldwide prestige <laughs> okay sorry i kind of went on that's the okay there. 
final final question. So I posted this to our Facebook today, which I've been trying to do more of. But is Hybrid Theory still the superior album, or could people argue that this was a peak Lincoln Park album over that one? Because I could, I tried to make the argument in a comment for Meteora of like how I would pitch it if it was going against Hybrid Theory, but I still think Hybrid Theory is the winner. But I'm curious what you think. I mean, they're so like the same to me. Like to me, they're like one body of work. It's really hard for me to like separate them and pick one. Hybrid Theory, of course, has like the the like benefit the of being first. But like if I could only listen to one for the rest of my life. I would take Meteora. Like that that's just how I feel. That's just how I feel about it. Um so I answered appropriately from our account then. Because I said my argument would be like this is them showing they were they weren't just like another new metal band. Like there's a lot more to them. And they yeah. got to show a different side here while still keeping all their fans. I think that's exactly why I would go with that, because it has songs like uh like easier to run, breaking the habit. Um, numb, numb. Like that song. Like certain songs, you know, like you hear growing up and like through certain like moments of your life. Like that song will give me goosebumps every time it comes on. Forever. Is that beginning? It just yeah. Those notes. There was a night like I won't like drag this one out, but we had like ski trip at school, and uh, this was like you know before high school. And the mountain would play music like in the terrain park and stuff. And that song was on and I like broke my wrist and on the bus ride home, I was listening to my, my CD player, whatever it was, then it might've been MP3 player days. Um, but I was listening to numb. Then like, I wound up having to go to the emergency room and that was like on at the hospital. It's like that song. And you were literally like, numb for real. <laughs> I was literally <laughs> numb. Uh, like that song just like followed me that whole night. And I mean, it was like, hugely popular song it's not surprising it was just on everywhere but it's just one of those ones that really transports me back to like not only my childhood but like a specific part of it specific night specific memory like there's a lot of emotion tied to that song i love that song it's so good the whole album is just it's like they, they made like two like near flawless albums back to back yeah especially like the way it intros with like forward like kicks the door down the glass breaks or whatever <laughs> oh man they do it live too oh so good it's such a good band yeah yeah i'll never forgive my i don't remember if i've told this on air before but we saw them at bamboozle in 2007 maybe and uh it was like after a hiatus like i don't remember exactly what happened if they broke up or just took a break or or what i think it was before minutes to midnight there's a big gap in between there's yeah, a four-year like, gap it wasn't sure like what they were gonna do because that might have been when fort minor started too so it was like are they i don't know if that's for sure or not but they headlined bamboozle and i was like i don't know 13 something like that 2007 uh 16 15 um and we it's a festival so like we were able to just get there and like have a great spot we were maybe like 
10, 15 rows from the stage. It was the first times I've ever been handed a joint in my life. And like Lincoln Park came out and it was like, didn't even feel real. And then my friend's parents got there and called us and they made us leave because they wanted to beat traffic. So we had to, I mean, we were there for more than half the set. So like, I'll always have that. But we, I remember walking out with my back to the stage as they're playing in the end. And I am not ashamed to say I cried the whole car ride home. I was so I too. fucking mad. And then my friend, like, he's like, oh, you're you're so like selfish and this and that. Like, my parents did us a favor by driving us and you're complaining. I'm like, dude, the whole weekend built up to this. And like, <laughs> like I and I will stand by it. I don't care. That was a shitty move. You can't traffic. leave with the headliner. No, I should have just stayed and like figured it out. But I was a rule follower. So I did what I was told and complained about it later. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So disappointing. But it was insane to see them. It's still like even the memory doesn't feel real. Like it was just it was sick. They were so good. I wish I got I never got to see them. Uh, yeah, they were because they had what was it? Project Revolution was their thing. Yeah, yeah. I should have just went to one of those. Yeah, I know Nicole did like before we met, and it was like Atreyu was there, and like like Corn was there a couple yeah. times. Yeah, yeah. So they have the one step closer with uh Jonathan Davis. Oh, I didn't know That's that. Pretty cool. Apparently, a bunch of bands have been like covering Crawling. I know, like I think Silverstein opened their show with it. Did you tell me this or the? Did someone else? They played one step closer. Oh, that's it. And then that was another band. Did I think maybe like I don't remember. I don't want to just say a wrong band for the sake of saying a wrong band, but other people have been like covering Lincoln Park at their live shows, which is pretty cool. Uh, but they might be back. And then I'm sure that'll be another go? unattainable concert. I mean, we could certainly try. Yeah. I mean, we'll talk to Brian later this episode. And he made it sound like getting tickets for Metallica was easy. I think I just have to stop being picky with seats and it might be better. Cause like my buddy Mike, like he got six tickets to Queen. Like no kind of no problem. He's in the two hundreds and like it's fine. So like maybe I just need to not I need to just like be happy to be in the building and stop wanting like premier seats. I don't know. Because I thought I tried to get Queen tickets and couldn't, but maybe it was just a pre-sale and regular sale was easier. I couldn't go anyway. I just wanted to try and get, try and pretend to get them just for science. So I guess Mike is the champion. He is the champion. He's gonna ride his bicycle to the show. <laughs> now, damn it, Brett, you make me have to try and come up with these puns. <laughs> On the spot. On the spot. Uh, did you listen to Silverstein? A little bit? Once, a little bit. Twice? So, like, once, and then I dove right back into Meteora, because there was just so much more than what Silverstein gave us with, like, pretty much three new songs. Yeah, I didn't have too much to say about it. Poison's, Poison Pill kind of just felt like like a song that was good, but not good enough to make the album. Like it was just like a normal B side. And then I like what was the other one? Um Stitches. Stitches, yeah. That one I liked. I mean, I didn't like love it, but I liked that it was 
different. Like that song wouldn't have fit on the album. It was way too poppy. Like it almost sounded like like Skater Boy at the beginning. Like it had that same like like upbeat riff. And like they do great when they just want to try and like go a little poppier. Like they can really do everything, which is why they're such a good band. But to me, like that's a good B-side to include because it's one that is a good song, but it wouldn't have fit the vibe of the album. And that's why it got left off. Whereas Poison Pill just kind of felt like one that did fit the vibe of the album, but it just didn't make the cut. They couldn't find a place for it. No. Uh, Mary Orchestra. It's kind of hoping for more out of that one. It's too short. I thought. Yeah. Yeah. The live tracks were my favorite, though, because I can just I'm always in the mood for a live Silverstein song. Yeah. And the, the energy, the live tracks just made me upset that we didn't just drive the hour to Stroudsburg and see them. We missed like their last two tours. I know we've been we've been bad fans. What I did notice, I don't know if you noticed this or if you just remembered this information. Nothing Nowhere was on the original album. I didn't realize that till <laughs> I was like till I pulled this up on Friday. Because when their album came out, and I, you know, I was, it was cool to see Silverstein on it, and I'm like, oh, I don't know anything about these guys. It's like, no, you, you do. Like they're on a Silverstein album. You talked about them, like or him. Excuse me, gotta get that right. What happens when we listen to so much music like every week? Yeah, it is. It is weird. Have you been going back to like, like this week? We didn't have too much. Like we just really had like Lincoln Park. So were you listening to like anything else? It was hard to with uh because like essentially it was just Lincoln Park and Silverstein, but just Lincoln Park was six albums in one. Do you a listen? To, challenging. Do you listen to all of it? I didn't. I just listened to the new ones and like shuffled some live songs. I still have to listen to. I think it's like the Project Revolution or the LPU live performances. Yeah. I haven't listened to those yet, but this like I would. I think this is one that like needs a playlist. Yeah, that's why I'm glad you made what you made. It helped make it a little easier for me because I was like, I'm yeah, just gonna just, try to digest this whole thing, and I'm like, maybe I shouldn't do that. Yeah, just to have those songs in one place was just a little easier because like ultimately i think that's what like people want like demos are cool because you get you get to see you know how the sausage is made but the new songs is like that's what that's what the people want that's the cherry on top yeah um one last thing and then we'll get to our interview with brian um story of the year put out a single um i don't know the name but i know the album art was a lot like in the wake of determination are they just running back their old album art because like they want to that so that's here here's where i am right now because i'm very very conflicted because it could go two ways on one hand i mean the song is great like it's it's like kind of acoustic like it's it's a lighter like it's not like heavy or anything like that but my my point is sorry bring it back um it's really on one hand it's really fun to see them like like paying like tribute to their previous albums then on the other hand it's like why are you doing this (laughs) they know what they're doing and it's just really if i want to choose to be a hater or not and i don't want to be a hater because i like the songs and ultimately that's what matters 
but it gives off a little bit of the vibe where it's like we had a really successful career for a decade or so then we kind of fizzled out so now let's just run back that decade and that's kind of what it feels like they're going for which is just like i feel like i don't know if it works it works and like i said the songs are good but i don't know just like be be a band like if this song they were just like we have a new song here it is that'd be cool like why are you teasing art from an old album i don't know it's just i don't get it like from like the top of my head at least i can't think of too many bands that have done this before like with their last album it was pretty much the page avenue yeah album art and now they're doing it again with a single and i can't really think of too many bands that run back old album art concepts yeah in which case it's fun and it's interesting and it's cool and for an anniversary not for like a brand new album though yeah this is all just new music but does that mean like this whatever they're working on next is now going to be slightly heavier than what they just did in the same vein that wake of determination was slightly heavier than page Avenue. Cause Maybe. I mean, I'm for, I'm for that. Like I'm definitely for that. Like we've talked about it plenty of times where that's like our favorite album by them. So I don't know. As long as the songs are good, that's what matters. Oh, it it matters. just seems like a little bit of a, I just would love to hear like their, their reasoning behind it. Maybe it's just cashola. It might be. It might be. Um, all right, let's let's get to our interview with Brian. Um, we have a great interview with our friend Brian Colburn um, of my weekly mixtape. One of our favorite a, guests. Yeah, he he's a great hang. We get into everything: shows, to fish, to blues traveler, to podcasting. Just we're all over the place. It's a great chat. Um, uh, I think you guys are gonna enjoy it. So um, yeah, Brian Colburn, let's talk to him. All right, we now welcome back on reoccurring guest, friend of the pod, Brian Colburn. You may remember him from his first podcast, Playlist Wars. Well, Brian is back behind the mic with a new show called My Weekly Mixtape, where he's still using the playlist idea but honoring the maybe lost art of crafting mixtapes. I don't know. We'll get into it. Um, But Brian, thank you so much for coming on and finding time. Congrats on the new show. I appreciate that. Thank you both so much for having me on. I'm excited to talk some tunes with you guys again. Oh, yeah. So so how's it been going? You're like a few months in now to the new show. The show took off a lot faster than I ever expected. I expected it to be kind of building from the ground up again. And thankfully, a lot of the people that followed Playlist Wars took the journey with me over to my weekly mixtape and have kind of uh, embraced the new format. So whereas Playlist Wars was very much a who do you like the best, as in there's three different playlists and it's kind of a discussion as to who has the best playlist. My weekly mixtape is a little bit more collaborative versus competitive. And at the end of the day, when I, when Playlist Wars went on hiatus and I decided I wanted to do a new show, I wanted to kind of strip the competition aspect out of the format because as much as I love Playlist Wars and everything that we've done, and when we go back to it, I will continue to love it. I wanted this show to be a completely different 
vibe from Playlist Wars. And Playlist Wars, you're bringing your songs to the table and pleading your case for them. And when I was growing up, when I was making mixtapes with my friends, it was more of a song by song basis because when my buddies and I would go out or if my, let's say when I was much younger, 10, 11 years old, and my parents would take us out for the day, we would have our one Walkman that we would use the Y splitter and each have a set of headphones in. So we would record a tape together of all different songs that we liked, but we always did the every other song. So that way, if there was a song that maybe I wasn't as big of a fan of, at least I know the next song was my pick. And I kind of wanted to bring that thought process into a podcast because when I was growing up, making a mixtape was, like you said at the top, it was an art form because you're taking a bunch of different people's voices and making it your own by taking songs by different artists and building it together. Whereas now the younger generation takes songs, throws a hundred of them into a playlist and just hits shuffle. So it's more of a random radio station feel, which is totally fine. But for me, it was always about what song should come next and why, what's the thought process behind other than I like this song. I like this song. I like this song. I like this song. Sometimes if you were making a mixtape for somebody you were interested in, but you didn't want to, you didn't want to spill. You didn't want to make it too obvious. So you kind of had to slip subtle messages in through the music and through the story you were telling. And I think that is a lost art. And I'm trying to bring that back where people listen to the show, listen to the songs that were created and maybe start creating playlists with the thought of here's a story that I'm telling through these songs, not just here's 50 songs. I like, let me listen to them randomly. Yeah. I miss those days. Yeah. Me too. It's a, it's a, it sounds like I'm sitting here thinking like, huh, I should, I should do that. Cause like you do get to kind of craft your own little album of different artists. And it's kind of like the, the digital camera effect where now like you can just take 500 pictures and it's cool and all fun. But back in the day when you had like a Kodak, you had 18 pictures maybe, and you had to make each one count. And it's a very like kind of similar vibe. And sure comparison. as hell with that Kodak camera, there was always one picture with the finger <laughs> kind of like, right. <laughs> and it's, it was the best shot of the night too. Everybody was like, everybody's eyes were open. No red eye, but there was that finger. <laughs> yep. Yeah. You got to try and keep the finger off the mixtapes. The, and the that's, finger song. It, yeah. The, the, to me, the finger was always when you'd be recording a song towards the end of the side and right as it got to the best part, the side ended and you're like, oh, I ran out of space. <laughs> uh, you yes. get that pop that you never want to hear <laughs> yes <laughs> we had cds i used to make burn cds and i had a thing that you can like create your own label and then you'd print it on a sticker and you'd smack that on i used to rip apart cases and then try and like make my own my mom wouldn't let me buy m&m cds so i completely bootlegged the marshall mathers lp like myself i looked up what it looked like and just remade it Nick is incriminating himself on the episode. Right? Oh no! <laughs> I later I bought it. Statute limitations, no. right? We're outside the time length now. <laughs> I'm gonna get dragged off screen. Well, the beauty, even look, I loved making mix CDs, and I still do because at the end of the day, and I know I'm gonna, 
I won't, I promise not to go on too long of a tangent. I love Bluetooth. So when a new album comes out, I love popping it on a streaming service and listening to it in my car. But when I'm listening to music for, let's say we have a seven hour drive with the family, I still burn CDs. The audio quality from lossless music that's not going over a Bluetooth connection sounds better in the car stereo than Bluetooth sounds great. It's come a long way because when I first had an iPod in the car, we had to use the radio transmitter, which sounded yeah. worse than FM, and it was always staticky. <laughs> or the cassette and then it was wire. Always, yeah, oh, yeah. you get stations coming in and out. So Bluetooth is amazing. However, listening to a CD, I still burn them. And it's funny because nowadays on Facebook, there's always people giving away spools of 100 CDs, like, I've got these collecting dust. Who'll take this garbage? And I'm like... <laughs> I'll use them and I will because I'll burn a CD each month of just new songs that I like just to kind of keep in the car and kind of decide where those songs sit with me. I, you know, new albums, if they only are available digitally, I burn them to a CD and put them in the car. It, it's it. I, I guess it's just my I'm showing my age here. But when you were doing 70 miles an hour, I think w when I was growing up, people doing this on their phone was my generation looking to the passenger seat <laughs> flipping the, the cd book <laughs> trying to decide what album you wanted to put on next <laughs> yeah what, what's more dangerous <laughs> probably both <laughs> yeah yeah i think but they're equally as dangerous it is it's kind of funny because we like also we're just saying grew up like making mixed cds and stuff and then as i got older i became very like all about the album and now it's kind of like if i don't love an entire album i don't always go back to it when if i was making custom playlists or cds there's probably a few songs on there that i would keep so now i'm kind of shooting myself in the foot in the opposite direction it's i'm gonna start very, making more playlists you've convinced yeah, it's me a, it's two a, minutes it's into an interesting this. concept <laughs> because there are some songs that for me in an album listen i can't hear that album without that song but on shuffle mode, when that song comes on, I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. We're, we're <laughs> skipping that. But because when it comes up randomly, it just doesn't hit the same way as that album flow. Brian, have you like, also noticed, like, uh, I feel like because you still listen to CDs, like, you would notice this. But, like, the quality on a lot of the streaming services, like, isn't there yet somehow. Like, I don't get how they haven't mirrored CD quality audio yet. Like, I was complaining about Nick to this a couple weeks ago about, like, the Spotify quality and how Spotify, I'm not sure when it's going to be upgraded. I, I think Spotify's 256 right now. Amazon Unlimited does do CD quality. Cubaz, if I'm saying that right, it's the one that's Q-O-B-U-Z. I think it's Cubaz oh. or Cubuzz or whatever. They're a lossless it. streaming service, which I love. Uh, anytime I go to buy digital music, if, an, if a band puts out an album that's a digital-only release, I go there and buy the tracks individually or buy the album digitally because it's in a lossless format as opposed to buying the songs as an MP3, which are compressed. We're already dealing with the loudness wars where there's already a disadvantage with when you open up a song in a wave file and it's one brick going across the stream you know the music's been stripped of all dynamics 
it's loud the quietest part of the song where somebody's whispering is as loud as when the whole band is playing at full volume and the singer's screaming at the top of their lungs i kind of miss the dynamics in music where if it gets really quiet you do have to turn the volume up a little bit because that's showing the realness of the song whereas if i'm whispering in a song i don't want it to be as loud as my scream if that makes sense so you're already dealing with the loudness war but then you compress that even more certain songs are unlistenable not from a music standpoint but from audible standpoint so metallica's death magnetic i love that album i am a massive stan of death magnetic i know a lot of people are like oh that i love it love it love it the original mix i can't listen to i had there was at one point um some people that were much more uh passionate metallica fans than i am took all the individual tracks from guitar hero 3 and remixed the album without brick walling things and there is available if you search places i won't say where i won't say how (laughs) but if you look for the death magnetic guitar hero 3 mix and you a b it versus the original the guitar hero mix is very very dynamic and the songs hit harder because it you're not dealing with that symbol that's because of all the compression it's more tucked in the mix and it sounds like more of a full band so i highly suggest if you're a metallica fan you look that up after you purchase the album of course i <laughs> i have my death magnetic cd that i don't listen to because i have the guitar hero 3 version so i'm incriminating brett you're the only one that's left incriminate yourself with something <laughs> musically i'm sure we will before the podcast is over i just have to get there <laughs> i'm making a natural natural dive in there brian where are you getting your cds these days i saw you picked up so much for stardust the other day that one i will be perfectly honest it just so happened to be i was out with the family running errands at target and they had nice. a copy of so much for start i'm like you know what i want to give this one a listen the last one i think it was mania was the last album yeah. was it no, no it was, was i'm it? just shaking my head oh, at oh, it. it was yeah. mania <laughs> that one I, I it was the first fallout boy album since 2004 that i didn't buy i just had no desire but i'm like you know what i heard one or two singles and it felt excuse me it felt like they were going back to rock and i feel what they did on this album was what papa roach did last year on ego trip they embraced their past understood that they found a new audience with their pop side and merged them together and i feel like it really works they kind of found a way to please both sides of the spectrum because mania is not an album that purists for fallout boy from the early days from under the cork tree that to them is very it's it's a complete 180. yeah i don't even recognize but the new album (laughs) offers something where both sides can be like i'm finding something in this album that i like and i'll be honest right now um 
so much for stardust is rocketing to the top of my favorite album so far for 2023 it's yeah really well done i've been going back to it a ton and i was never yeah. like a huge fallout boy fan and this one's just it's sticking they definitely found a great opening, balance like you said yeah the opening piano on track one Normally, I'm like, oh, piano and punk. I'm like, eh. you know, I, I like <laughs> organs and punk. When you think about yeah, yeah. Gaslight Anthem uses it really well. Dropkick Murphys uses it at times when it's. But piano in punk, it almost doesn't sound like it would work. But in that opening track, it's almost got a My Chemical Romance vibe to it. And it really hits. But then the, the track right after that is a little bit more pop leaning. And I'm like, oh crap, here we go. It's going to be, they, they lured me in. <laughs> I remember thinking that same thing. <laughs> but then every other track, there was such a nice balance. I'm going, you know what? It's actually making me appreciate the pop songs a little bit more because like I mentioned earlier, in the album listen, it makes sense. There are certain songs on the new album though. If it came up on shuffle, I would immediately skip. But listening to it as an album, I respect it. Even like the last song, it calls back to that first song. Like it's, I feel like yeah. it's meant to be heard in full. Yeah, it, I wish more bands would put the effort into writing albums again because with streaming and with digital downloads, there is such an emphasis on the single that the album gets ignored. And I think that's a shame because there's so much great music out there that is falling beneath the surface because the band is just looking for that hit. And I think when bands put more effort into actually crafting an album statement, amazing things happen. Yeah. And you can even take it a step further and we're all dating ourselves here, but like now it's almost like with TikTok, you just want to have a good verse. It's not even about a good song anymore. You want to have that little snippet that catches and goes viral. And I mean, it. I guess it works in a sense, but I've seen videos. I can't remember the guy's name, but the whole crowd saying the whole first verse flawlessly. And then he gets to the second verse and it's just dead silent. <laughs> and you see him like kind of laugh like, wow, I knew it was bad. But I know it was this bad. I wish I could remember his name. It was, it was wild. <laughs> Look, I, I have a TikTok channel. I know you need to be you there. You got to play the game. <laughs> you got to play the game. I, I will tell you right now, follow me on TikTok at my weekly mixtape for the worst TikTok experience you have ever had. I literally, my daughter's trying to coach me on it. I'm like, I'm not doing that. Did, did you post like, Pedro eating the sandwich? <laughs> <laughs> no, I did that last week. I was telling my wife, I'm like, I don't want to do this, but every, it's everywhere. Like, maybe I should just do it. It got like 10 views. I'm like, this doesn't work. I thought if I copied everyone. <laughs> She'll listen to Nicole. <laughs> and I, I don't dance. I'll, I'll either, stick to so the interview like, clips. That's what I like to do. <laughs> I would probably go viral if I did dance on it, though. That's I, I because I'm so bad at it. I mean, just sell out. Make your pop album. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's Colburn it's, Mania. It's, <laughs> oh, it would be it would be a sight for sore eyes. It really, though, like, especially like, you know, because you're also a podcaster, like it, it's a tool that could potentially get millions of views on you in like a, a day, it's whether or not that translates to, I mean, if it translates to five listeners, it'd be worth it. If it translates to one listener, I'd be psyched. Yeah. But, I had a band on my weekly mixtape. They, they were signed to Atlantic records in the nineties. They were called the uninvited. 
the episode is currently up on my Patreon, and I think it's scheduled to air on the main feed in, I want to say it's four weeks from now. And The Uninvited had two songs, uh, What God Said and Too High for the Supermarket, that were that gained some airplay. They were dropped from the major, and they've been independent. They just put out in December of 2022 their first album in like 20 years. And he was explaining to me in the episode that he went on TikTok and he would put clips of songs. He would put show posts and he wasn't even moving the needle. So what he started doing was just telling stories about his experiences when he was signed to a label. And sure enough, like that, 10,000 followers, videos, you know, hundreds of thousands of views. So there's a definite spin for TikTok that you need to kind of play the game. However, I asked him flat out, has that translated into album sales for you? Has that translated into more people in the audience? And he said, as far as album sales goes, because they they made their trackable click-through link, he's seeing less than 1% even making the jump to go check out the music and then an even less to purchase. However, that he has seen people come up to him after shows saying, I follow you on TikTok. I wanted to come see the band. So, I mean, there is a place for it, but in, as far as podcasting goes, I've watched a lot of audiograms on there and I've tried different things. I just don't know what moves the needle when it comes to podcasting because you know, mom told me I got a face for radio 30 years ago. I, I'm not, I, people aren't looking at my feed to be like, oh, I got to see me some Brian Colburn tonight. That That's not happening. <laughs> there's, there's something to be said for name recognition, I think, though. Like, even if it doesn't necessarily translate, the more people kind of see you, they might eventually go look. I, I don't know. I go back and forth with it. Sometimes I think I'd be better off doing something completely different for tick for for tiktok whether it's talking about songs or just whatever and then if people are into it they might come check out the actual podcast rather than just put podcast clips which is basically what i do now and that's an interesting point that you make but here's the question i have for you in this situation you guys produce a podcast here you i produce a podcast on this end i know the work that goes into producing a podcast i wish all it was was we hit stop on this button and boom it's live everyone's here there's editing that goes into it producing the the imagery for it setting up the social media for it researching the discussion topics or whatever you're going to be talking about on the episode there's a lot of work that goes into is there time to put in (laughs) a whole new set of work to create additional original content for TikTok, in hopes that it drives you drives people to all the work you're doing on the pod so for me the yeah. decision i made was to invest every last waking hour i could into the podcast to try to make it as best as it could be and put as much time that's left over into social media as i can but i don't let the social media scale tip away away from the quality of the episode 
I'm the hands up emoji right now, just listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> well, Brett, you're doing you know the, the battle. <laughs> you're doing the album listening experience on Twitter. I'm, I see that you're going through that. You see that to me, that's interesting content that's outside of the show, but also relates to the show. So for me, every day when I go pick up my children from school, I bring a CD with me because I have to get there a few minutes early. I got to wait for them to get out of class. Come, to... So I plugged, I, you know, post a picture of the CD and I, and I try to start conversations about it. And sometimes the conversations go on for days and I'm shocked at the engagement. Certain albums really, I don't want to say they, they, people jump in, like they want to talk about it. And it's, kind of the more random albums. Cause I posted cracked rear view by Hootie and the blowfish as I was running errands on Sunday. And when I got back, there was a bunch of comments and people talking about their, and I, I didn't realize, I know the album sold 10 plus million copies, but I didn't realize that that many people were still a massive fan of cracked rear view. I thought I was going to get ribbed for picking an album that so many people that everybody owned a copy of, but there's a lot of people out there that still truly love that album. And that was really kind of refreshing to see. No, I love that you're doing that now. I think like, is it records revisited that does that too? the podcast? Yeah. Records revisited. I yeah. am, I am friends with Ben as well. He's a great guy, Ben and Wayne over there. They have a great show. Uh, he does the same thing where he yep. posts what he's listening to and that triggers conversation. Does it, equate to more listens to the podcast i don't know but honestly i don't care because i enjoy that conversation so to me that's fun and that's not really i'm not doing it for the podcast sake i'm doing it because i just love talking music with people and if there's people out there that want to talk about it i'm all ears let's let's have a conversation i think that could get listeners in though because like the one today i think it was like counting crows recovering the satellites that was he has an events, episode. Yes. Yep. You said he has an episode coming up in a few weeks. I'm like, well, I got to listen to that episode now. And then it sent me down the rabbit hole today where like I was listening to that as it was working. So like, and even with you with Hootie, like my wife loves Hootie. So like, there's a good chance if we're like in the car, we're going to have like nineties radio on and some Hootie will be on there. But like that can trigger someone to go listen to that album. And then if you have an episode coming up related to that album, they're going to listen to that too. Right. And what I try to do is involve the listeners as much as possible. So before I record any episode, my goal is to do it within three or four days prior to the episode. Sometimes I do it within an hour of us recording and I have to go back and cut it in. But I, I ask people on social media, what song would you start your whatever the topic is mixtape with? Because in that regard, people chime in with different songs that resonate with them based on that topic. And sometimes it sends me spiraling down rabbit holes. Like, why didn't I think of that song? Or why didn't I not remember that? And it really makes the research part of the episode so much more fun when other people are getting involved and that gets the conversation going. So when the episode airs, hopefully people, I hope tune in to kind of see where their song picks landed if they landed and if not why and you shared yeah. farmhouse the other day too which i appreciated <laughs> that is my japan copy that i found at the princeton record exchange randomly on the dollar 99 wall i was just you know scrolling up and down and i saw farmhouse and i'm 
I said, there's something that looks different about the spine of this CD. I'm that much of a nerd. I, I just know my favorite albums. I know the spine. So I pulled it out and I flipped it around and it, and it had the Japanese writing. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I opened it up. It still had the Japanese booklet. I'm like, this has mist and driver on it. I'm like, I closed it up. I put it in the thing. And when I went up, I was like, I've, God, please don't tell me. Oh, we, we labeled that wrong. It's $199. <laughs> yeah. Nope. Sure as hell. Dollar 99. And I had been looking for mist and driver for 15 years and it just so happened to pop up randomly at princeton record exchange so shout out to amanda and all the great people down there for randomly stocking that gem <laughs> that's awesome i don't even think i'm familiar with those songs oh they're fantastic they're, they were they were put on the japan version only they're, they've popped up in set lists over the years but not not a yeah. lot not a lot yeah should be more though because they're great <laughs> Well, what, what you just described is my favorite part of like, I only recently got into vinyl the past couple of years and I know I could just go online, find an album I like and buy it. But to me, it's not the same rush as when I'm flipping through the new arrivals bin. Like I have blinks, take off your pants and jacket up there. And that's like when I'm flipping through that used bin, it's usually like Michael Jackson, the who, and then I see like blink i'm like whoa and it's it's such a more exciting thing when yes. you just like capture it in the wild yeah and that's like part of the fun yeah Although, i i love going broke. to yard sales and um book fairs where they have a little cd section because you never it's diamonds in the rough i have 4500 cds there's not much i'm looking for but i'm always looking because you find a international copy there's a lot of songs that we never got in the u.s and damn it we should have and by finding those rarities and those diamonds in the rough it's a it's a it's an adrenaline rush i kid you not like even sometimes when i see something on ebay i still get a little like i got a bit on that but i'm gonna wait until <laughs> the last possible second because i don't think anybody's scouring this exact title so then sometimes i'm left with utter disappointment when it rockets up to 150 dollars, and other times I'm like, I just got this CD for 99 cents. Like, wow. <laughs> yeah, I found a, a Rubber Soul album and it was not the track list I was used to. And it was the same thing. It turned out it was like an international pressing. And I had no idea about three or four of the songs. I was wondering where four of the songs went. So now I just have this copy that's not the copy I expect to hear in my head, but it's still kind of cool just because it, it's different. Yeah, I'm all yeah. about you know, bonus tracks and stuff like that. But I actually kind of went on a venting session about this on Twitter recently, because I love that bands are selling enough albums to feel the need to create a deluxe edition. However, <laughs> don't do it a year after the album comes out, <laughs> do it the day the album comes out, give your listeners a choice. I would rather give the band five extra dollars on opening day to get the deluxe edition right from the jump, then buy an album with 10 tracks only for a year later for them to release three songs and then put them out on a deluxe edition of that same CD. So I'm rebuying the album yep. <laughs> and taking up space that I don't need to. So that's the time where I go to Cubaz and hopefully grab the three songs. And I almost feel guilty because I kind of want to own the actual physical CD but there's only so much you could spend $16, $16. Do 
Yeah. If, if you give me a choice, I'm or always 80% gonna... percent of the same album you already yeah. have. Or yeah, like we if a band gives me the choice, the Nickelback <laughs> did it with their last album, Get Rolling. They put out a regular version and a deluxe. And yes, I didn't hear the deluxe. <laughs> I I went right for the deluxe. Yes, I bought a deluxe Nickelback album. You could. It was a good. Your... It's actually a good album. It was man. a great, a great album. album. <laughs> I don't I... care what anybody says. People rip on Nickelback, and I've I've gotten into this argument and discussion, whatever you want to call it, with a bunch of my friends. Nickelback is the two thousands version of Bon Jovi. That is exactly what it. it bon Jovi made. Albums that had the hard rock songs that pleased the guys and the power ballads that pleased the ladies and it catered to the masses because it was something everybody liked and it's radio friendly hard rock. And for some reason, there's a lot of gatekeepers out there that want to keep rock separate from radio. We, we, we don't want to sell out. Sure. I'm sure the none of these bands that are out there, touring all over the country want to be played on radio and they want to, they don't want to play in front of 20,000 people. They're no. fine playing on a Wednesday night at seven o'clock in front of seven people and the bartender bull. Every band wants to hit the stratosphere of Nickelback. And I feel like a lot of the hate is a tinge of jealousy and I'm not nickel. Not every song by Nickelback is great, but the last album had a lot more great than it did. Nick oh, yeah. tracks. Oh yeah. Yeah, it transported me right back to like early 2000s days. And it was just a fun album. Not everything has to be like a nine minute tool song that's reinventing music. Like some things could just be a fun verse chorus first. That's fun to sing along with your friends with. Exactly. Like there's and room, there's room for everything. There's nine minute for... tool songs are fun. Yeah, look, I could listen to a Blink-182 song. I could listen to Edging by Blink-182 and follow it up immediately with... um something from Lainey Wilson, who is a country artist I like. When I'm in shuffle mode, that's fine. A good song is a good song is a yeah. good song. Genres be damned. But when it comes to listening to an album, that's that's a different story. Like Farmhouse, which I am glad you finally <laughs> gave a chance to, for the record. I'm jumping back to that one. Oh, he went. He went. Oh, deep. I went. <laughs> I'm in like, I haven't reached the ocean floor yet. It's like how deep I'm in the water with fish right now. <laughs> So then I got to ask you, because if Farmhouse was your gateway drug album. Now that you've listened to more albums from Fish, where do you rank it now? It's still up there because like it's the one that won my heart over. So I still have it up there pretty high. I've been on like a strange like rift kick lately, though. Like I've been just strangely like just drawn to that one. because I think I never really dove into that one last year, but now I'm kind of. As I get deeper into like my fish listening, I'm, that's where I'm at right now. I'm lost in the maze, so to speak. So <laughs> Okay. And, and mine's weird. Farmhouse stays the top for me because yep. that's the one where I knew fish prior to Farmhouse. I knew Reba. I knew Sample in a Jar. I knew the songs in the 90s. And they were always a band where I'm like, oh, that's a decent song. That's a de My wife, when we were dating, gave me the CD to listen to because I'm in New Jersey. And at the time, she was in New Hampshire. And we had these six-hour drives by ourselves every week. So we would hand each other CDs to listen to. She gave me Farmhouse, and I put it in first for my drive home, and it didn't leave the CD player for six. I listened to it, and I was like, all right, I'm in on this. These guys are awesome. And I went out, and then I fell in love with Junta after it, and that became literally my number two album, which those two albums could not be farther apart in the fish <laughs> spectrum. 
because it's like jazzy jammed out weirdness and pretty much three to four minute condensed acoustic rock songs maybe taking first tube out of the out of the mix on farmhouse but farmhouse is a much more digestible album but for me when you put those two one and two you're giving people the full fish spectrum in their first two album listens and if they decide there's one side they can't handle i can kind of <laughs> guide them so if they only liked farmhouse and they hate junta i'm going to keep them away from the earlier stuff and i'll point them towards fuego or i'll point them towards um sigma oasis i feel is very much in the same vein as a farmhouse but i don't know if i would send them down the maze and down <laughs> reba that might be a little too jazzy for them <laughs> Get funky fish just with ghost. Scare them. Yeah. oh i <laughs> ghost is my all-time favorite fish song that is just a jam when they play that live they could do that for an hour and a half and i'd be like just keep going man that baseline <laughs> it's so much fun they, they kind of can yeah. move off that one forever oh i could but yeah we went uh we went over new year's not on new nice. year's but during that run and it was brett's first show and we got Fluffhead opener, which is just like, talk about getting thrown right into it. <laughs> like, it doesn't get much ever, weirder than that. <laughs> yeah. My first ever fish opener was heavy things right off a of farmhouse. Oh, so they man. won me over from song one that night. Start a line. Cause I'm there with my now wife and they open with that. I'm like, oh my God, they must like, they must've known we were here. <laughs> like, this is amazing. Like they opened with something from farmhouse and what a set. Like it just from that moment i'm like all right whatever they do the rest of the night like i got heavy things yeah, to open gravy. the show which is <laughs> not a, it's a one they play frequently either <laughs> no that's why it's like you do you have any shows any fish shows lined up any just shows at all lined up you going to i have concerts? shows lined up for this summer but no not fish? fish right now not yet um i'm still keeping an eye on those i am going to the two nights of metallica at giant stadium with nice. Mammoth WVH and Pantera on night one and Ice Nine Kills and Five Finger Death Punch on night two. And I am looking to take my children for the second year in a row to see the interrupters at the Stone Pony with Frank Turner opening. So Oh, that's great. Yeah, a little yeah, bit we of talked a about there. talked about them last time. Those Metallica shows sound great. And you get a nice day of rest in between. Oh yeah, for my age, that's fantastic. My, well, my buddy's like, dude, Lamb of God's playing in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Do it go in between Meta and, and Pantera's opening. So, do you want to see them twice? And I'm going. I'm like, can we make a game time decision on Saturday morning? Because if Pantera sucks live, if they like don't show up, I don't want to drive five hours to go see them the next. But Lamb of God is always incredible live. So that's like, it's it's a tough decision. It'd be a fun weekend though. Oh, it would. <laughs> I'd have to take I'd have to take Monday off though. How how was getting tickets for those Metallica shows? <laughs> Believe it or not, ridiculously easy. What? what really? I, I, well, I, I had one of the uh credit card pre-sales. So I just logged right in at 10 a.m. I put in the two night pass and the row came up and I was like, fantastic. Wow. Congrats. So I told <laughs> all really my buddies, I'm like, I'm in this section. Just look in that section. And it turns out, I think seven or eight of my friends are all scattered in that one section. So we're all going to meet up before the show 
and kind of do a big group tailgate. And then we're all scattered throughout that one section, which is fine. Yeah. Um, but I'll tell you this much. Everyone's been, you know, Ticketmaster has been the hot topic this year with the ticket prices and the dynamic pricing and that nonsense. I got two nights of Metallica with the lineup that I mentioned for $240. We're in the upper tier. So, I mean, look, they're going to be this big, but whatever. As long as you can hear it. For oh, you'll be able to hear Two concerts. <laughs> Two tickets, though, that that's not per ticket. That's total $240 for two nights at Giant Stadium. To put that in comparison, in 2016, I took my father to see ACDC at Giants. Not 2016, 2017. The last time ACDC did a big tour, they had vintage trouble opening up. Maybe it was 2017, 2018. I paid $120 for the one concert. So I feel like my my buddy and I's reasoning for this was, well, we're paying the same amount that we paid to see ACDC eight years ago, and we're getting a free bonus concert on Sunday night for free. Yeah, that's great. So to me, that's I, not bad. But then I see what people are spending on Taylor Swift and and Pink and all these other artists, and I and it makes me sick blank. to my stomach. The, oh my blank god. <laughs> I, I love Blink-182. I'm not paying 500 No, no absolutely <laughs> Come not. That's, Come on. That's crazy. I, I I love them too, but not like, I don't know. They're not that good. <laughs> They're not a that's, mortgage payment. <laughs> there's no band. I'm sorry. I, I the, the Desert Festival, the uh, power uh, trip that's happening in California. I want to talk about that last episode. Those price packages are insane. Insanity. <laughs> My buddy said to me, dude, we got to fly to California for this. And I literally responded back in text, $5.99 for the worst seats in the house. He goes, the immediate response is, we got to hope they live stream this, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way. I'm, you know, I'm not yeah. being three miles away and spending 600 bucks. And then there's, there's packages. The yeah, the flight, hotel. If you want a bus transfer, it's another 200 bucks. They had one package where you can be in the pit so you can be as close as you can. And that's like 1900 and they try to throw access to general admission in there. Like it's a perk. It's like, well, yeah, if I'm getting that ticket, I would hope I could walk wherever I want. Like uh, that's wild. I, I, look To me, general <laughs> admission is rough because clip it. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Not the show. It's the ticket. <laughs> Because depending on the crowd, it's going to make the experience for you. Yeah. So kind of like if I'm the crowd tonight, I'm either ruining this episode or making it meh. <laughs> but when you have your seat at a show, and, and this is definitely my age talking here, you've got your view. And for the most part, as long as someone who's seven feet five isn't sitting in front of you, you're kind of set. Whereas when you're in the pit, you got to worry about if people are surfing over your head and when you're there with kids, yeah. to me, it's a different experience mm -hmm. because I'm there wanting to kind of let them experience concerts. So with the interrupters, sure as heck, we were right in front of the stage. But the crowd that was around us knew we had kids. A couple of other people had kids near us and kind of all the everybody in the audience was so respectful of the fact that we had children with us that I, I never felt more comfortable in general admission than that moment a circle pit broke out during tiger army and 
People were running around in a circle. It was getting a little hefty. I brought my daughter to the side of the circle pit and they're waving us in. And I'm, I'm pointing at my kid going. <laughs> and they said they literally, one of the guys went like thumbs up. On the other side, he had a, his little daughter with him. So we went in and everybody stopped going hard in the pit and everyone just started going around in a circle oh, man, and everybody's high-fiving so the cool. kids and cheering for them. And they, the two girls like in the, in the end of it got in the center and were just dancing around and everybody's cheering for them. And it made them feel so happy. And I, I I'm almost like my, the hair on my arm is standing up just talking about this. Cause I went to work that Monday and they're like, what'd you do this weekend? I said, I took my daughter into a circle pit. And everyone looked at me like I was like psycho dad. Call CPA. But, yeah, everybody whatever. was so it is. so respectful of of there being children there. Yes. That I, I was just I, completely blown away by the crowd because you know, but it could have been a much different if it was yeah. a different audience. I bring my ten year old in there, and 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 I'm. You know, their Dyfus is showing up to my house. Well, why would you do that? So, you know, it's kind of a read the room situation. And she's going to remember that forever, too. Like, that's an incredible, like, first concert memory. Yeah. And, and you know, and they threw at the end of the uh, show, the interrupters were throwing out beach balls and people, you know, hitting them in the air. And at one point she had it in her hands and somebody smacked it out of her hands, my 10 year old. Oh. So she started getting like the, like, Oh my God, we're going to lose this night. She's going to be in <laughs> tears. Somebody else reached up for another one, but instead of hitting it, grabbed it and just passed it over to her and said, nice. don't let it. And she kind of, she hugged that thing. Like <laughs> she still has it in that. She's got the interrupters balloon. She keeps in her room. She she's all about it. So. What a great crowd that night. Yeah, right? Like, they, like I felt, I, I was thanking the people. Like, do you want me to buy you a drink for that? was, like, really cool. You're like, no, man, I have kids. They're just not with me tonight. You, let's make her night special. So, like, to me, that that's amazing. Yeah, that's the just the beauty of, of music and, like, the communities. And, of course, it's not always like that. But no. a lot of the times it is. And something that I always liked about Fish, too, is, like, you think, oh, like, it's my first show. People are going to get all high and mighty. But it's the exact opposite, where they just get really psyched for you. High. Yeah. <laughs> they get really high. Get I don't really know about high. the mighty part. <laughs> they just well, I'll really tell you, but one of the nights they played at PNC, I had three tickets. And I, at the time, I was going to bring my then three-year-old. And my wife's like, no. And I'm like, yes. And she's like, no. And I'm like, come on. It's <laughs> it's going to be fun. It's gonna It's the lawn. We'll get a blanket. We'll just, it's just the three of us. It'll be a fun night. I lost that one. So I sold the ticket to my cousin. We get there and we sit down on our blanket on the lawn. And this couple comes and sits right in front of us. And it's two parents and a four-year-old. And I turn to my wife and I'm going, see that? Like, <laughs> come on. And she looks at me. She's like, okay, okay, next show. The wife says, I'm going to go get some popcorn. I'll be right back. And she leaves. And the husband texts, and picks up his phone. He goes, okay, now's your chance. And his buddy comes over. And I, this is a hand to God, maybe lightning. Him and his, this guy, this, I don't even want to call him a parent because I, I <laughs> drop acid in front of this kid. Now I'm sitting there, my wife's jaws on the ground and I'm like, now I'm keeping an eye on the kid because this guy is in la la land. 
And his poor kid, if she runs off or something, he's going to have no clue. So the wife gets back and I, my wife and I are stunned behind them. And she sees her husband. The guy can't even like open his mouth. And she just goes, <laughs> you, oh, you silly goose. And I'm like, really? So from that point on, I, I said, I'm going to wait until my kids are older to give them the fish experience. Because, yeah. And it might've just been that <laughs> one <laughs> guy. But when you see something like that as a parent, it's very hard to. Yeah. And it's it. probably hard to enjoy the show after that too. Cause now you're kind of preoccupied. You're a little yeah, worried your, about your this. Mind's racing. Yeah. Yeah. As a parent, like as anybody, I would be concerned, but I'm the kind of person that goes to a fish show and wants to stay stone cold sober. Cause I want to pay attention to. Trey's finger. How they're transitioning <laughs> from song to song. Age. How are they going to get from, I don't know, from chalk dust torture into waste and yeah. make it work? Like, I just, I want to hear those transitions. And I feel like they should kind of cut any arena they play into it in half and have two sides of the stadium the partying side and the music nerd side. <laughs> Because I feel like that's when I, every fish show I've ever been to, I felt like the crowd has been 50 50 where people are going in there, like intently studying the music that's happening. They're still enjoying it and dancing, but you could tell that they're locked in on the band. And then there's other people that don't even know the band is over there <laughs> and they're, throwing facing glow the wrong, they're just, they're facing the wrong way. They don't know where they are, but they're still having a good time but they're not really focused on the music part of it. Yeah. We had it happen the other day. A buddy and I went to a show at a music hall at Williamsburg. And uh, these two kids in front of us were just straight up having a full blown conversation during the main act. And we're like 10 rows from the stage. So it's not like we're all the way in the back or at the bar and they're talking. We're right there. And finally, after a couple songs, my friend's just like, he leans in. He's like, shut up shut the fuck up and they turn around <laughs> they turn around they're like what like everyone's talking we're like no no one's talking and i tell them like if you want to talk just go to the bar you can still hear the show like just he's playing an acoustic song and you're talking over oh. it. like what do you, why are you even here I there don't... is nothing more like i don't they know what's though. worse i don't know what's worse people i i guess i'm okay with the the talking to me drives me nuts but so does bad singing along. Yeah, that's bad I, too. I love singing along, but like know your volume relative to the show. Yes. Like, yes. That's yes. a great point. Yeah. <laughs> like if you've got Aretha Franklin on stage, but you have 2023 Vince Neil sitting next to you, <laughs> who's not even singing the words when they happen in the song. So you're kind of hearing these two songs trying to come together. It's like, it's it's nauseating it's, if like you try to catch yeah. a video of it and like all you hear is like the person next to you and like you don't even get like a good like brief clip <laughs> or anything you just get that person singing <laughs> or you're that's so always saying. a fun one <laughs> but but the talking to me the only conversation that should be had is do you want to go get something to drink and then kind of make the thumb point and then you get up yeah. and i would never do that to somebody at a concert like if I'm going to say something to my wife, I'm going to make it that it's so audible just to her because 
the person sitting next to me, this could be their first time ever seeing their favorite band and they just want to enjoy the experience. I don't think they need to know that I'm thirsty. Yeah. And or I don't how, want to yeah. ruin a, a, a moment in their favorite song with that kind of nonsense. Yeah. I like the between songs, you lean to your friend and you go, that was awesome. And then yes. they, you shut up. <laughs> yes. Or like when Fish starts playing You Enjoy Myself and then Nick drops his phone. I let him know he <laughs> drops his phone. <laughs> And it's just, I don't care. And they play for like 20 minutes. <laughs> uh, they'll call I, me later. Picking up my phone wasn't an option. That thing was gone as far as I was concerned. I'll you never see that phone again, the... but this version has been epic. Yes. Well worth it. They're on trampolines. <laughs> wow. <laughs> What's funny is no matter how many times I've seen fish, anytime I see cavern, and they do the little dance at the end with the with just kind of moving their feet in front of each other. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I I'm like, yes, they're doing it. It's the stupidest <laughs> thing in the world, but I love it so much. Much like the trampolines. <laughs> but they're in sync doing it, which is still like that's the best part. Just enough for you to be impressed. Because <laughs> they're yes. also playing. They know what direction to bounce on the trampolines. How? How do they know? <laughs> That means that there's been practice. There's been yes. trampoline practices for fish. You That's what I that, want right? to see. We need a fish Patreon where you can view the trampoline practices. To come with live you fish? go this way. I'll go this way. <laughs> you, you were saying it for the the desert festival. I don't know what it's actually called, but power how they trip. power trip. How they should stream it, and you know, fish obviously does like the couch tour. Love I it. was just reading a headline today. Coachella is going to stream their entire two weekends coming up really yeah I, i'm not sure where but it sounded like it was for free and it'd be like a day later okay. so i'm not really sure who's playing i know the, like the gorillas are playing that'd probably be pretty cool but i just wish everyone would do this like throw some ads on it you'll make mm -hmm. some money we'll get to watch like everyone wins i i, I hope I, it becomes watched, a thing i want to say it was on hulu a couple of years ago Lollapalooza. Um, I, I, yeah. I sat on my yeah. couch all day and I was like, I'm just going to take this in. This is like, let me see a new band that I maybe I, I haven't, I'm, I'm a little iffy on. Let me see what their live performances are like. And to me, live streaming is absolutely imperative for band. Like I tell you right now, a lot, I bet you fish makes, I don't want to say just as much, but they're probably making, let's say even on the whole tour, like an extra night of income for the yeah. band without having to do anything other than, you know, the, the soundboard. Yeah. It. And it's not like they're not letting people tape their shows anyway. Yeah. So who cares if they're letting it out there? The only thing I think is that some bands might be afraid to do it where the band is not as free flowing as fish where they have a specific set with the same tracks with the same lighting rig maybe they're not as apt to do the streaming because it is the same show every night of the tour whereas fish you go on night one and you go to every show you're never seeing a re you know you're seeing yeah. repeated songs but not yeah. a repeated evening what are your thoughts on that? Like, do you like that bands like mix it up or like, I know like, like it drives me crazy when a band plays the same set for like all 30 dates of their tour, knowing they have like, like Nick and I were talking about like rise against the other day. Like they have a habit of doing that. I'm like, you've so much in your back catalog, like just 
throw in a couple mix-ups every night like when you're on the tour like you don't have to get like the same thing at every city i'm a snob a little bit when it comes to bands so it's a band by band basis if fish did the same set every night i'd be furious oh yeah yeah but when i go see blues traveler I used to go see them in the 2000s when they did not play Runaround or Hook on some nights. If it fell into the rotation, so be it. Now, the last five years when I've seen Blues Traveler, those two songs are in, they, they kind of have a about eight or ten songs that they play every single show, and then the other ones are mixed up. When I used to see them in the beginning, if I got a runaround, I'd be like, oh, cool. I haven't heard this one live in a while. But now when you know they play those certain songs every show, it becomes less of a, I got to catch this one. Because it's what five extra songs am I going to get besides kind of the, the streamlined hits. Now, if it's a band I've never seen before, here's where I get weird. It's my first time seeing the band. And they're doing a greatest hit set. I'm okay with it. If it's my 50th time seeing the band and they're doing a greatest hit set, I'm frustrated because I've seen those greatest hits 50 times. I want nothing more than deep, weird album cuts, but I know that's not normal. So Blues Traveler used to do things like at Irving Plaza, they did a four-night run with no repeats. And I love that because if, if you go, like the Metallica thing this summer, they're doing two nights, no repeats. So I'm like, fantastic. So one of the nights we're getting Enter Sandman, mm -hmm. and one of the nights we're getting Nothing Else Matters. And it might both be in the same night. But then I know as soon as I hear Enter Sandman, I don't have to hear it again on night two, which means that opens it up for maybe for me to finally, after 20-something times, get Blackened. I have waited to hear Blackened live by Metallica for 25 years Such a great i'm song. hoping this year is finally my chance if you don't see it on setlist.fm the monday after you can guarantee i'm going to be hoarse on monday but it's not because of me singing along it's because of me screaming the whole way home that i still haven't gotten <laughs> them to play blackened yet i think you've good odds this time around fingers are crossed but like that's the thing if you went to go see a band that, let's say, is doing the legacy tour circuit, so when they group a bunch of 90s bands together, four or five 90s bands, when you go to that tour, do you want to hear the deep cuts when you go to a show like that? Or do you only want to hear five hours of hits from these five bands? Yeah. It depends on the band, probably. It depends who I'm with, too. Like, we're going to see here now in September. And I, I have some friends coming who like they don't go to like a t they don't go to mute like shows like we go to shows. Okay. And but they love the Foo Fighters, they love Weezer. Like I'm expecting the hits. This is a festival with a ton of other bands. Like you're not gonna really get deep cuts at this thing. And I'm okay with that because that's probably gonna make everyone happy, which will be yes. the most fun. Yes. But if they want to mix in like one or two. I yeah, of course. <laughs> but like, you know, and, and what's funny is it, it's yeah. definitely like when I used to go see Tom Petty, I had no problem with the hits, but he's my favorite artist of all time. So when he would mix it up and pull out a random cover, 
are you kidding me? This is amazing. When he did the slow version of learning to fly, when I saw him live, I'm standing next to my father. I had the hair on my arm standing up. I'm like welling up because the whole crowd is singing back to him. And there's a version very similar to that on the live anthology that features some woman named Stevie Nicks on background vocals. Oh, yeah. uh, it's Heard really, really amazing. Beautiful. <laughs> Every time I hear that version, it moves me to tears. It's so beautiful. And to be able to experience that live, it was a different take on a massive hit. So I loved that. Sure as hell, as soon as the song ended, I hear somebody in like the row in front of me. Why the hell didn't he play it the way it should have been played? And I'm like, you, you oh my God, this, <laughs> you, did you not just hear that? That was, that was epic. And again, you, you know, some people only want to hear the hits. So it's a balance and it depends on the band. So for me, Metallica, I've seen Enter Sandman more times than I ever, I don't ever need to see them play it again. I'm okay <laughs> with it. But damn it, blackened. <laughs> Well, Let's circle back to uh, Blues Traveler real quick. Because I actually yeah. went, started to go down that wormhole a little bit last week. Because, like, my wife and I just got done watching Poker Face. Mm. And, like, there's the scene with Benjamin Bratt where he, like, speaks the whole bridge of Hook. Mm-hmm. And so it sent me down four. So I was wondering, like, if I really like four, like, what are some other Blues Traveler's albums that I should check out? Blues Traveler albums that I should check out. Well, Straight On Till Morning, the follow-up is is great. Uh, after that album is when, um, oh my God, my brain is turning off cause it's the end of the day. The bassist, <laughs> uh, he died in 2000, right? Yes. And my, my, oh my God, it's going to kill me that I'm, 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 my brain is blanking on this, but when he Nick's passed <laughs> and the band came back looking with around. bridge, oh my God, I'm going to. And this is going up on uh, YouTube of me being a moron with blues travel. I'm so upset with myself. Call back to the editing, right? The editing process. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's the perks of being the editor. There's plenty of stupid shit I say that I, I clip out. <laughs> or the I don't know the bass player's name though. Is that what I'm how I'm doing right now? No, I'm so. looking right now because my my Bobby Sheehan. That's it. Uh, yeah. When he passed. They put out an album called Bridge, which was fantastic. But the album after that, Truth Be Told, was not a massive album for the band. They play a couple of songs from it live now, but it's my wife and my all-time favorite Blues Traveler album. And it's the first one I always recommend to people because of the fact that it is the fish farmhouse to Blues Traveler 2.0. It's a gateway album. The songs are three and four minutes. They're all fantastically well-written. One of the songs on it, uh, Sweet and Broken, is co-written by Chris Barron from the Spin Doctors. They have a very pop, blues rock sense to them. They're very catchy, very melodic, and uh, some fantastic harmonica work, obviously, but not as rockin' as 4 was. So if you're looking for that, an album that sounds just like four straight on till morning kind of continues that tradition, but blues traveler 2.0 with bridge. They interviewed, uh, they added in Ben Wilson on keys and, uh, Tad Kinchla on bass to take the place of Bobby. So it was like a new era of the band because they didn't have a keyboard up until straight on till morning. So with that piano and keyboard, you're getting this new dynamic. So to me, it's a 2.0 for blues traveler where, 
adding in the keyboard player really brought them in different directions. And I love 2.0. But to me, when I make Blues Traveler mixes, believe it or not, I always do a CD of 1.0 and a CD of 2.0 because sometimes when you mix them together, I can mix them together. But to a casual fan that you're trying to introduce in your car or force them to <laughs> take in the song with you, it to me, it feels like you're showing them two different bands in a good way. But musically, it is it definitely takes on a road of its own. I have to check that one out. And to bring it like full circle, like one of the first songs I ever downloaded on Napster was Hook. So there's <laughs> me breaking the law. You're yourself. There you go. <laughs> he did it. <laughs> Oh, way to go, Brett. Now we're all incriminated. There uh, we go. Uh, I'll just have to bleep a lot out and we'll be safe. <laughs> it was Napster 1.0, too. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say the 2.0 Napster, you just paid for it. That was oh, the yeah. same as... Thanks, Lars. <laughs> <laughs> there was one... I know we'll wrap it up soon because I know it's getting late. Um, I was thinking, though, when you mentioned the car, my friends and I do a type of mixtape thing that I think might find interesting which i'm sure you know about this but it's just the queue in spotify so we'll pass the phone around and we all get two songs but you try to keep it going through the mood of of the songs with everyone and it's pretty fun and it's pretty similar to crafting a mixtape like on the fly that's exactly what we do on every episode of my weekly mixtape what you said instead of passing the phone around we pass the mic back and forth but it's not just coming to the show with your 10 favorite songs. I always tell people, yeah. bring a bank of songs, 20, 30, 40, that you're going to whittle down to 10 because right now I'm currently recording soundtrack episodes for 80s movies, 90s movies, and 2000 movies. And I am going into each episode with 35 to 40 songs because soundtracks are genre be damned. So if somebody starts the 2000s soundtrack episode with Teenage Dirtbag by Wheatus, it's very hard to pivot into the shins from Garden State. They don't necessarily play nice with each other. But you could go into something from one of the American Pie soundtracks very easily. Yeah, that was kind of do the went. pop punk thing. <laughs> yeah. Dysentery you know, Gary so that, or... Dumpweed was uh, I forgot which blink song. Too deep, maybe. Oh no, yeah, I, I think too. it was. I think Fat Lip was on by some forty one. I was that on was on one of them. Yeah, yeah. And Even Breaking Benjamin was... snuck into that movie. Yeah, those <laughs> it wasn't even like their main song. Yeah, those were, one thing. Those are great one times. thing I learned about uh, soundtracks is they died in the two thousands. Died because when iTunes started and then streaming in the late 2000s soundtracks were no longer events soundtracks used to be as big as the movie think about movies of the 80s and 90s top gun if i say to you top gun movie or soundtrack danger zone yeah people, <laughs> Take my breath away. people people are gonna some people are gonna prefer the soundtrack over the movie Dirty Dancing. I personally like the soundtrack more than the movie, but I, you know, whatever. You go into the 90s, singles, Empire Records. Then you go into the 2000s. Can't hardly wait. Can't hardly wait. <laughs> Almost Famous. I'll even say it. Twilight. 
Yeah, I heard you talking about that with uh, Will, right? Yeah, after Twilight, when soundtracks became almost an afterthought, where okay, let's just grab a bunch of songs that nobody or that are already popular and add them to. So they're basically making a mixtape for the movie, and the one that did it the best because they were ridiculous, ridiculously popular, were the Guardians of the Galaxy soundtracks. Everybody had those. Those were friggin' mixtapes. But none of those songs were brand new recorded for the soundtrack or, you know, a B-side that was delivered specifically for the soundtrack. So those event movies are relegated now to your The Greatest Showman where there's songs written for the movie because the movie's a musical. But the last time I can remember a song being big for a soundtrack was Top Gun Maverick with Lady Gaga's song. But that's the only song on the sound. The rest is score. So guess where that song sold? Digitally. One track. Yeah. Because yeah. there's, yeah. you know. I remember like the Spider-Man soundtrack had a bunch of songs. That was a big one. Even the Little Nicky soundtrack was so good. That was where I discovered Cypress Hill as like yeah. a 13 year old. was on there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Everybody was on that one. It was, that was also uh Deftones were on that. That was Rage that Against was, the Machine. That yeah, was, that was a new metal masterpiece. You, right you there. really don't, you really don't get soundtracks anymore. I never thought about it, but no. what, what happened? I'm not <laughs> even doing it. Someone said to me, are you doing a 2010 2010s episode on soundtracks. I said, no, you'd have an easier time doing it on commercials that use songs <laughs> like Taco I mean, Bell has sad. better soundtrack than, <laughs> than movies at this point. Well, the, the thing is, I, I want to keep it where the songs meant something for the movie. In the 2010s, yeah. sure, I can grab a song off Guardians of the Galaxy, but it's yeah. not originally recorded for that. So that kind of allure of awesome soundtrack songs just becomes a random mix of songs from a random mix of movies. And I said, if I could find 20 songs that were recorded that I like originally from soundtracks in the 2010 decade, I'll do the episode. And I couldn't, I couldn't come up with 10. I, I was like, I can't find 10 original soundtrack songs from an entire decade that re like, I think there's obviously the greatest showman from now on, they have the greatest showman reimagined. So you, uh, Zach Brown band does an amazingly beautiful version of that song. So that, that was one. And that's the episode, <laughs> it, right? Like it's just, it, 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 it was impossible. Where did it go though? Cause we were just talking about how singles are an important thing these days. So you would think singles, with a purpose here, you don't have to make a new album, make a single for this movie. Like there, there's no logical reason that they should be going away. At least because people pick and choose and they could just create a playlist for the songs. But the real reason I think honestly is because the labels could license an already recorded song and just pay the fees or they could pay a band hundred thousand dollars to record a song and then pay the licensing fees after it and the budgets at this yeah. point when people's mindset is you know kind of just dragging songs into a playlist that they're trying to save money and it's a shame because soundtracks are no longer events 
There's, when's the last time you said, I need to go out and buy that soundtrack if it wasn't a Disney movie? Now, I have kids, so like Frozen, Encanto, Moana, my kids needed those soundtracks. So to me, sure, the 2010s have a lot of original songs for soundtracks, but they're all Disney movies. Not, yeah. You, there's not a lot of, think of every Marvel movie you know. Iron Man. Black Panther, Black Panther had a pretty good one, I think. But that's like the and, most recent one. And that's yeah. like the only one I can think of from like the 2010s. But that's hip hop. So that's great. Yeah. You, you pull those hip hop songs out. How many other hip hop songs? How would you weave a soundtrack or weave a mixtape of soundtracks when there's only these outliers? Because as much as I love the music from Black Panther and I love The Greatest Showman. Can't make those <laughs> two songs work back to back. That doesn't flow very well. It's a 180. It's like, I like cookies, I like pizza, but do I like cookies on my pizza? <laughs> Depends huh? on, de- maybe. if it's after a maybe. fish show, maybe you do. That's true. <laughs> if you're on the lawn at PNC, then. Yes. <laughs> uh, Brian, this has been this has been so fun. Thank you so much for, for coming on and hanging out with us and sharing your time. I know you're busy. Oh, guys, um, I, appre- I appreciate yeah, you having is, me. Yeah, any anytime, really. Um where can the people find you? The easiest place to find my weekly mixtape is myweeklymixtape.com. It's also just search my weekly mixtape wherever you're listening to this fine show or any of your podcasts. And you can also find me on every social channel Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, <clears throat> TikTok, at my <laughs> weekly mixtape on all of those. And uh, I appreciate anyone who follows, subscribes to the show. It's all about having a musical conversation like you guys do every week. And I am completely blessed and honored to have been invited on. So thank you guys. And I hope to be able to repay the favor and have you guys come craft a mixtape with me sometime. Oh, yeah. That'd be awesome. 2010 soundtracks. Let's do this one. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'd be lot. That's all I'm going to be thinking about for like. Just probably tomorrow, but it's going to be <laughs> on my head. I'll be sitting at work, very preoccupied, thinking of, of movie soundtrack ideas. Um, last, last question. Is Playlist Wars coming back at all? I know you guys mentioned maybe picking it back up in the summer. Right now or... it's on hiatus. Okay. And our goal is to, fingers crossed, record a bank of episodes in the summertime. Because my kids are 14 and 10. And Gomez's kids are two and six. So our schedules simply during the school year don't align. When his kids are going to bed, my kids are just getting home from practice and the evening's just getting started. So right now I'm recording. Gomez right now is still doing the bedtime routine. If you look at the clock right now, he wouldn't be ready to go for another 15, 20 minutes where I am now, when we're done here, going to start the homework and start the evening festivities but during the summertime, when all that's off the table, we think we might be able to squeeze in some recordings and hopefully maybe drop them once a month until next summer and try to do it in seasons that way because we both miss it, but we're realistic with what we can do. So Gomez is going to be a uh, guest on my weekly mixtape for the 80s soundtrack episode, and we recorded it at 8.30 on a Sunday morning. Nice. Not the ideal time to get guests. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a rough one. We we recently got on the Sunday morning schedule. Not that early, but 
it's kind of nice because these after work ones sometimes it's hard to muster up the energy to like brains yeah. fried yeah yeah exactly. which is why i couldn't remember bobby sheehan's name before which is i'm oh my you know god the struggle. I'm gonna, oh i'm gonna be if my buddy adam who's a blues traveler fan hears this episode i am gonna never hear the end of that one <laughs> And then one more quick plug for Brian, just to show how awesome he is as a host. You managed to somehow get Frank the Tank to be a normal person for like close to an hour. <laughs> so that just goes to show like how great of a podcast it is. <laughs> no, that guy, I, I'll say this. Frank the Tank from Barstool Sports is not Frank the Tank to me. He is literally my buddy from college. We graduated from the same department at Montclair State. Myself, my daughter's godfather and frank were in a group together for electronic journalism a course we took so the three of us all semester had to work on projects together and on the sports episode there is a video embedded that frank posted on his youtube about garbage in the cafeteria and it's just him standing there talking about all the garbage and how gross it is and at the beginning there's a guy who throws to him that is my daughter's godfather, one of my closest <laughs> friends on the planet. Frank, I've been friends with. So to get him on the show, it was literally a text of, hey, buddy, what's going on? <laughs> Starting a new podcast, really want to do a sports episode. Any chance you'd be willing to shoot the breeze with me and catch up for 45 minutes over some uh, sports talk? But it's got to be music. Sure, period. That was oh. the, like, <laughs> if booking guests was always that easy. Yeah, but Frank's a great guy. And, uh, yeah, he was definitely, I didn't know which Frank I was going to be getting. <laughs> and the Frank I got on the episode was the Frank that I went to school with. I didn't know how far it would go <laughs> on the episode. So I was waiting for a bomb to drop at some point and it, it didn't, it was a really fun sports anthems discussion. So yeah, I want great. more of that Frank, like the singing was great. Shows. <laughs> Frank needs to put out an album. Yeah. Oh, Frank would be. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know why. When he started singing the, all the stuff, I'm sitting there going like, when he was singing, I'm like, try not to try to keep because I didn't want him to start laughing because it was <laughs> it was great, and, and you could just tell how much he is. He has the encyclopedia for a reason. He is a he sport. Is. Like the knowledge he has of sports, I wish I had of music. I know the passions there, but like certain facts just he, no fact slips out of his mind and i am blown away by his sports knowledge so like the prince viking song like i had no idea that was a thing until he said that i didn't know and i'm i'm a prince fan and a music fan i'm like <laughs> how did i not know this and he's like oh yeah this was totally buried and i'm and i looked it up and sure as hell there it is just off the top of his head, guy's a genius when it comes to that stuff. But he's definitely a personality, and I was I was nervous going into that episode. <laughs> but uh, it, it, that's on my weekly mixtape as well. Just look up sports anthems and stadium anthems if you want to hear a little Frank the Tank. Awesome, thank you, Brian, so much. Um, I'm sure we'll talk to you soon, and hopefully we can do this again. Thank you both, gentlemen. This has been great. And we're back. Thank you to Brian. You're the man. I hope we get to go on my weekly mixtape at some point. I do too. And I hope we yeah. get him back for a roadmap. Yeah. Of Metallica probably. Yeah. We talked to him. All I think that was off air. I don't remember, but he sounded very down. So that would be cool. 
that's like our only new music this week is Metallica. That is this week? I wasn't sure. All right. When I ask you again in like 10 minutes, you can say it. Metallica. Metallica. Do we know the name of the album? I do not. Nice. <laughs> I just fine. know it's out on Friday. That's fine. We have. We're off next week. Well, we'll have an episode, but we won't be. Uh, we'll be running a roadmap next week, and then we'll talk about Metallica after. That means I gotta listen to Metallica on vacation. I don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll do it on the plane. <laughs> um, book club, the storyteller, the conclusion, the conclusion, then the end. When do do we start this in November? Um, I it's think been a little while. I'm gonna say December was our first first one, so not bad. Thoughts? We did it. Thoughts? So. <laughs> oh, we finished. We read a book. Hopefully, Congrats. someone else did too. Unless we just us two reading every week. <laughs> Dive in on Instagram if you read along with <laughs> us. We're gonna do it again, though. We're gonna do it again. Well, not the same book. That would that'd yeah. be kind of weird. I Unless mean, he writes another one, which hopefully we can yeah. talk about that at the end. But yeah, hopefully he does. Uh, I, I said it before, and I'll say it again. This was a great, great read. It was so inspirational and motivating, and heartfelt, fun, heartfelt, all the things, all the things. Um, I feel like this last part, a little slower around, than, the, than the last ones. Centered around like his home life mostly, like his daughters and stuff. I think, and Joan Jet, and Joan Jet, and yeah, the Barbie. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy how these like legendary musicians are just like in his house. <laughs> yeah, like Uncle Paul is like a thing. <laughs> yeah, just and, crazy. And Dave's like humble and just like cool enough where he realizes how insane that is, and he never so, takes yeah. it for granted. No, not at all. Um, Daddy daughter dance is wild too. That whole story of him oh doing all that travel. So he went from Australia back home for a six hour dance, then back on the plane to Australia. And then got food poisoning. During during near death turbulence. Yep. And put on and didn't miss the show. That's and yeah, the somehow best, went on stage that night. The best part is when he left his daughter's dance, they're just like, all right, bye. Like, they <laughs> didn't even care. But I like the little wholesome part where like his daughter later in life was like, what's the longest flight you've ever been on? And he like told her all that. And she's like, dad, you didn't have to do that. He paused. She's like, yeah, yeah, you did. She's like, yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. I loved, I texted this to you, but him describing himself in a suit, he's like, I look like a stoner in court who has to be there to pay a marijuana charge. Oh, it's so good. (laughs) So funny. But I I think the craziest part was the the stylist for the Oscars. That was wild. Like, what are the odds? Right? So he he's like on the fence of playing Blackbird at the Oscars, which is one of my like favorite performances of him ever. So I'm really glad he did that. Like, I can't find it anywhere. I looked on YouTube. It wasn't there. Is it? Is there other videos of him playing Blackbird? Because I remember I loved like there was a video of him playing Blackbird that I I loved. I just assumed it was. Got taken down by who? By Uncle Paul? The Oscars <laughs> messed up. But um, 
So he agrees, like he wasn't going to do it. And then his daughter was like, you have to, because we performed it for the talent show. So now you have to do it, even though you're scared. And he's like, all right, like I can't be a hypocrite. So he meets the stylist beforehand. And it's like a blonde girl. And she's like, oh, like, hi, like we've actually met before. And he doesn't remember. It's like, ah, I'm sorry. I don't remember. She was the little girl in the heart shaped box music video. Which is wild. Yeah. And I, I looked up that music video just for like a reminder. I don't know if they used the green screen or not, but this little girl was like in a field with someone getting like crucified. And she's like wearing like, it almost looked like a Pope outfit. Like it was all white. It's a it creepy was, video. Oh yeah. It's really weird. But it's just like, what are the odds? Like he, so many things in his life have just like connected. It's just really bizarre. But the whole, like the conclusion of the book was a little like tough to read. Cause like knowing like he'd lose his mom and Taylor. Yeah. After he put this out and like he, that whole conclusion was like a heartfelt, like each band member got their own paragraph, his yeah. wife, his kids, his yeah. band manager. And it ended with his mom. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was, it was tough, especially like Taylor was hard. Like, it sucks. Well, the but, I mean, pretty much, a, right? a lot of this book is about that, and doesn't necessarily make it easier. But I think uh, if he takes his own advice, like he's just like he he's not a stranger to this, obviously, and he's able to like carry on and do great things and pretty amazing and we get to see it we do this summer soon it's gonna be great i i forgot about that one actually until just now it's a great like, now. <laughs> it's a great cap off to the summer yeah it's an exclamation point because you don't want to wish away summer so you're not really thinking about it but it's like the weekend like right before like fall mode gets switched yeah did you see uh Thrice is playing Terminal Five. I did not see that. Yeah. But I, I we didn't talk about it on the show, but I really did like their uh the re recorded artist in the ambulance. They like re recorded the whole album. Oh yeah. I didn't I don't remember was it like much different? Like they just cleaned up the songs or it was a little different. Like it's yeah. I guess like his voice is more cleaner. Gotcha. But I enjoyed both versions. Yeah, I think I don't listen to them a whole lot, but I think they've been aging very well as a band. They're still putting out some of their strongest material, which is very impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not many yeah. other shows coming up. I got that Screaming Female show that I think you're passing on. Um, after that, might just be waiting till summer. But Fish comes back next week. They do. The Seattle shows. Yeah. I put on Farmhouse the other day because of that Easter meme made me want to listen to it. That was so good. It was so funny. (laughs) You really hear him singing it. (laughs) It's like Jesus with an acoustic guitar. (laughs) Singing Farmhouse. Yeah. Uh, It's great. Um, Yeah. Summer's right around the corner. Shows, albums. I'm very excited. Um, I figured out our next book eventually, too. Summer Read. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Got to pick one. Um, Next week, we have Nick Parco back on. Uh, We're not talking Weezer, though. We're going to go over The National. 
a band that neither of us knew anything about prior to this. So it's a really fun roadmap. And we learned a lot. And I think we might have become fans. I don't know. It was, uh, you'll have to listen to find out. But it was a fun ride. And he did a great job. So that'll be out next week. And um, after that, we'll be back with our regular episodes. We'll talk some Metallica. And if anything comes out between now and then, we'll talk about that too. We have New National at the end of the month. So I'll probably still be simmering on them a little more. Nice. Yeah, I, I haven't got to go back yet, but I still I plan on it. I'm probably going to listen to our episode again and then follow that as you go through. Even though we have the playlist already, just like kind of go album to album. Yeah. Yeah, like because you could listen to like 20 minutes or so, then listen to a whole album and then listen to another 20 minutes. And you could just spread it out like that. It doesn't have to like, you don't have to fill your day with it. I mean, no. you can. That'd be cool. But yeah, dip in and out. Um, yeah, that's gonna do it. Um, great week, R.I.P. Chester. We miss you, and the songs are great. Thank you to Brian for coming on, and thank you to everyone for listening. You're the best, and thank we you, Dave Grohl, for uh, writing an awesome book. And I know he confirmed in the appendix he'd write another part someday. So looking forward to that. Yeah. Yeah, can't wait. I'm sure he will. He's he could probably write 50 of these things. So oh, yeah. We'll read them all. All right. It's going to do it. Uh, we love you all. Have a good one. Bye. Give it.